Well, seven of the 24 players selected for the McDonald's All-American game are committed to Kentucky and Duke. What does it mean if those programs aren't really having a whole lot of success on the basketball court? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your co-host, Andy Patton, and today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Well, I'm thrilled to be joined today by Locked On Recruiting Insider Jason Jordan. Uh, Jason, about a week ago, we saw the McDonald's All-American rosters come out. Very excited to get an opportunity to kind of speak with you about these rosters, about the players who made the team, the players who maybe didn't make the team, and kind of what we're expecting for this game as it takes place in uh, uh, later in the month of March, right before the Final Four in Houston, Texas. Uh, first thing that was kind of notable is, as we're kind of used to seeing, Kentucky and Duke were the two teams that really dominated the recruiting trail here. Four members of the McDonald's All-American game going to Kentucky with John Calipari, three joining John Shire at Duke. It's also not a secret that neither of those teams are really playing up to their expectations this year. Kentucky has had a confounding season in a lot of ways some really big wins some disastrous losses Duke obviously going through a coaching change having some injuries and some struggles with some of their freshmen Derek Whitehead Derek Derek Lively not really playing as as many would have expected them to do but it doesn't seem to be impacting them on the trail at least not for the upcoming season is that something that is that surprising to you is that not surprising to you do you kind of think that those two schools are sort of impervious to uh, to not, are they are they basically just going to be able to keep recruiting regardless of how their team is doing on the court? Yeah, I mean they will. That, I know that's hard to hear, but yeah. <laughs> the hard truth. <laughs> yeah, they're always going to get elite guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, to be fair, most of these guys that they got, if not all, mm-hmm. were before the season started. Sure, of course. Yeah, you know, so I don't know if they would have been like, ah, eh, you know what, you guys ain't really winning, mm-hmm. so, so I think I'm gonna back out. Right. So, right. Um, that was already in tow, but yeah, they'll always get um, elite mm-hmm. recruits. They always have, mm-hmm. and I, it's you know, I believe they always will. Now, you know, obviously, things could change. You know, people mm-hmm. are talking about John Calipari in Texas, and yeah, sure, that. we'll find out, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, so if he's not there, then we got to look at where Kentucky. You know, what, let's just right. you know talk about the extreme. If he's not there, then we got to look at who they bring in. I mean, I'm sure they'll get their pick of the litter. Right. Um, do. John Shire's there. He's not going anywhere for at least a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that John Shire will be fine. You know, yeah. I think, you know, it, he's replacing a guy who won a couple. I can't remember his name, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's <laughs> Mike Duchesne. <laughs> so, so, you know, you're going to, you know, even even people that don't like Duke, you know, mm-hmm. your uh, reasonable mind, yeah. reasonable minds can agree that there's going to be a curve there. And um, so I think that's what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the guys, to your point, they're not they're not living up to that mm-hmm. proverbial hype train. So yep. um, we'll see as we get into deeper into the conference season, um, the second half of it. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. I guess part of that question for me and I, every recruit is different and trying to lump you know groups of players together doesn't necessarily work. But I'm curious, like 
do you think players are generally focused on when they're looking? I mean, there's a ton of things they're looking at, you know, from a recruiting perspective, but a team's performance versus like how the players are doing. Cause like Calipari is, has been fairly transparent about like, he's trying to get, you know, he wants his guys to go to the NBA. He wants his guys to be league guys. He's at, he advocates for them to be, you know, guys who succeed at the next level. And there's, there's little debate that Kentucky has had a tremendous amount of success with NBA right. players, but not that success hasn't been as consistent on the actual court in college basketball. Right. Do you think that a lot of the recruits, like, because, you know, they're getting the blue, you know, the the top guys, got, you know, McDonald's All-Americans, obviously, they're getting these kind of guys. Do you think those types of players are more likely to be focused on going to a program that is going to help them succeed at the next level rather than going to a program that maybe has a better chance of winning a national championship? Or do you think that they're kind of, I don't know, are you, do you think that there's, that that's an element of this as well? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, the guys in there, the guys that they're going uh, mm-hmm. for when they're recruiting, the guys that they get, the reality is with with McDonald's All Americans comes ego, right? So a mm-hmm. lot of them feel like, yeah, they're not doing that good, and they might mm-hmm. not admit it. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm just telling you, I've been around mm-hmm. them for 18, 20 years, so I know how they think. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're not doing good, you know. That's but that's because I'm not there. So right. like, you know, they told me they needed me, and that's what mm-hmm. they're missing. They told me on my uh, Zoom call with them earlier, so I know that that's what the reason is. Right. You know, they really believe that. Like, it's like, yeah, if I was there, we mm-hmm. only would have lost one game. It's like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> get the, the guy that was ranked higher than you in the class above you thought the same thing, but okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would say it's, a, it's it's both. I mean, they certainly mm-hmm. want to go somewhere that's going to better prepare them for their mm-hmm. ultimate dream. But, yes, those guys want to win because they look at, especially in this day and age, I mean, look at marketing. You know, yeah. the further you go in March, the more eyeballs are on you, the more you're marketed. Mm-hmm. And yes, that is something that they talk about. Yes, that is conversations that they talk. Oh, do you really think that? Yeah, they do. They meet with marketing specialists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the truth. Like most of them do. Mm-hmm. So they have teams for this stuff now. And the reality is that the world that we live in now, that's okay. I mm-hmm. mean, that's almost to be expected for certain people. The only other two schools that had two multiple McDonald's All-Americans outside of Kentucky and Duke were Oregon and Michigan State. And like kind of talked about in that first question, you can squint pretty hard, but you're not going to see those programs in the AP Top 25 right now. Uh, Obviously, Oregon has always had a a close connection with Nike and Phil Knight, and that probably drives in some some money. But really, really nice class for them, not just with um, Mookie Cook and uh, K.J. Evans, but also Jackson Shellstead, who was a player that many people thought maybe deserved to be an All-American as well, or at least in that conversation. Uh, They're obviously in on Bronny James, which we'll talk about momentarily as well, but uh, a team that really hasn't had a lot of success on the basketball court in, in a couple of years. Yeah. And Michigan State obviously has, has been good. They have not been elite, but they have been good under Tom Izzo. They're never bad under Tom Izzo. I, yeah. Kind of a different situation between Kentucky and Duke, I would imagine, with these two programs, but do you kind of see some parallels there, or do you think that they're kind of different situations? Meaning uh, Oregon and mm-hmm. Yeah, Oregon and Michigan State. And, yeah, to some degree. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, not to the level of Duke and Kentucky, um, obviously. But I shouldn't say obviously. (laughs) 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 But uh, but the reality is it's true. I mean, you know, like that, we could look at the numbers and and I Mm -hmm. I would shut that down easy. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, certainly more with Michigan State. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are, uh, you know, they have a long history of obviously getting uh, elite guys in Oregon to your point is getting more and more. They probably should have had 
three McDonald's All-Americans, I would say Jackson certainly deserving of being in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I guess the biggest thing is biggest takeaway from that is I, I bet the coaches do wish they, they mm-hmm. had more, op- they could bring them in now. They'd have more options for the guys yeah. that aren't panning out so much. Now mm-hmm. that's the biggest takeaway I would have from that. Well, there are certainly plenty of players one could argue could have or should have made the McDonald's All-American game. Hear who Jason thinks were the biggest snubs after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we are so excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. That's right, it's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. Maybe you like Gonzaga's odds to beat the spread on the road uh, on Thursday. Maybe you like St. Mary's to keep it up against BYU. Either way, bet comfortably on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So basketball fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets guaranteed at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of those those snubs, some of those surprises. Again, 24 players selected for the McDonald's All-American game. So obviously there are going to be very, very talented high school basketball players who don't make the team. This happens every single year. It's just it's part of the it's part of the deal. It's just part of how it works. Uh, you, you can't please everybody. But yeah. uh, when looking at the squads this year as they first came out, were there any you mentioned Shellstead already? Are there any other players that kind of obviously stood out to you as as surprises for not making this team? I would say even more than Shellstad, the mm-hmm. three that were surprising to me and still mm-hmm. are, uh, I would say Layden Blocker, mm-hmm. Simeon Wilcher, and um, Caleb Foster. Yeah. And, uh, like, I'm so surprised. I'm thinking somebody's punking me. I mean, <laughs> that, I'm showing yeah. my age because that's the old show <laughs> that Ashton Kutcher used to have on MTV uh, where they play tricks on people <laughs> for the younger group. But, um yeah, like I, I, I'm my head. I'm scratching my head. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Um, because all three of them are, I, I'd assume if they were, if they were being honest, and we had like circuit camera in their houses, mm-hmm. they're probably like, yeah, mom. So you getting into Houston? Like, mm-hmm. what day are you gonna come from my McDonald's game? Like, like that's how much they just, they deserve to be in. Yeah. Like, I mean, there, there are levels, but all three could certainly make. It. I mean, Simi, take Simeon Wilcher. And this is where it's scary for grassroots basketball in the, in the spring and summer. I had this conversation the other day. So then now we're saying that we used to say that means everything. EYBL, uh, Under Armour, Adidas. But certainly EYBL. We all know that EYBL runs the, runs the summer. Right. So Peach Jam, Simeon Wilcher averaged 19.5 and 5. And in in what we all say is the biggest tournament on the planet right at that level you know like Mm -hmm. bar bar none Mm -hmm. right everybody's there the best of the best the most deep turn right so he averaged 19 five and five um had a a strong summer all year but then he capped it off you know co-mvp of the peace jam Mm -hmm. like what i hate to call other people but (laughs) let's just say i mean 
Yo, other guys were weren't even at Peach Jam. Right. They were at the Peach Invitational, which is not as good as Peach right. Jam. Don't get it twisted because they was in the same gym. <laughs> they were not in the same tournament. Right. That means they weren't playing as good a teams. Mm -hmm. Like, so, and then Caleb Foster was averaging like 30 at Peach. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, it's like, you know, I mean, I get it. You know, certain things happen for certain kids. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, I, it happens a lot, but this one's kind of, you know, I saw what they were doing. They were kind of, I mean, we're talking about Brian. Everybody's talking about Brian. Did he deserve mm -hmm. to be in? Mm -hmm. Now, let me say this. Bronny's gotten better and better and better. Mm -hmm. Did he deserve to be in um, based off his uh, progression? And mm -hmm. I think that's great. And I co-signed it. He's gotten better mm -hmm. over the summer. You know, there's been a logical progression. He's continuing to, to ascend. I mean, the way he's going, he certainly uh, has a bright future ahead of him. You know, is he an NBA player? I still don't know that. Mm -hmm. But um I would love to see what he can do at the college level in yeah. the right program. That right. said, is he one of the 24 best players in the country that should be in the McDonald's game based off what he did on the court? No, mm -hmm. no, no. You're I don't taking think all three of those guys over him? No, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Layden wasn't, he went nuts. Caleb Foster <laughs> just told you it's like 30 a game. And then Simeon Wilcher, 19-5 and 5, he played with Gus the Bus. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I get, you know, I get the the marketing part of it. And then the reality is, I mean, even LeBron said, I can call any coach in the country, and right. he's gonna, um, you know, they're going to pick up. You know. So I get, I get it, mm -hmm. but you know, it sets an interest, interesting precedent because it's like, Oh, so then I can sit at home. I don't have to come play at the EYBO. Cause I guess that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it used to mean that the Pete, whoever dominated peace jam was pretty much going to be uh, in the right, range for rankings mm -hmm. so they would pretty much sustain that it's just the truth i mean if you ask people that know after peach jam is really where it's like oh yeah he, he, he you know we're saying this is the best and, they, and then he dominated the best mm -hmm. we kind of have to put him up high and then you do that going into november december you do pretty well and your high school team you're fine right like that ain't you know this is a dangerous so I, I wonder if some kids are gonna be like well, hey, you know, since the summer doesn't count, <laughs> I'm just going to work out. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to work on my marketing, work on NIL stuff or whatever. You know, I ain't, that's clearly that doesn't matter mm -hmm. for um, McDonald's. stuff. I mean, then, you know, kids, that's I've seen kids reclass up and just forget about their senior year. So I used to think McDonald's was the thing. I feel like it's going, you know, I think it's taken a hit over yeah. the last five years. I would say that. Do you think that that? Focusing more on the summer circuits as kind of how they evaluate talent for that game would would be something that would help the the game with more legitimacy. Or do you think it's one of those things where you know only people who are really plugged in, like you and I, and uh, are are really focusing on that, and it just doesn't matter all that much? Meaning, do the summer? Do you feel like the summer circuits really still matter all that much? Yeah, like do you think it, that McDonald's would benefit from? taking that more seriously uh, in terms of how they evaluate who makes the roster. Well, they always have, and, you mm -hmm. know, then, you know, this year is a little different. Like right. that's why people were really upset, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like, you, know, you don't want to put stats beside each other. That's right. not what right. you want to do. Run away from that. You know, mm -hmm. like and even head to head, I mean, come on, mm -hmm. you know, so um, it's just like, well, what is this the new, is this the pivot or is this right. just the year for what are we doing? So I guess we'll find out.
Um, but that's unfortunate for some uh, some kids. I'm sure that all of them use it as mm-hmm. uh, motivating factors. And I think most of them will probably be an Iverson game or right. the Jordan Grand Classic. So, I mean, they'll be all right. They'll mm-hmm. be all right. Let's talk Bronny again real quick. You kind of mentioned, obviously, he's been improving. He's been yeah. – uh, working really hard on his game and, you know, is in a position now where he, he's got three schools that are interested in him, Ohio State, USC mm-hmm. and Oregon, or at least three of many schools that are likely interested in him. Um, yeah. I'm kind of curious. LeBron, like you said, he, he said, I can pick up the phone and call any school and get them interested. Do you, I guess, do you believe that? And do you think that Bronny's recruitment is more open than he is indicating? Or do you think he's ultimately going to end up at one of those three programs? Yeah, I think he'll probably end up at one of those three. Mm-hmm. Do I believe that LeBron can call it? Yeah, absolutely. I think if, uh, but it's LeBron because it's LeBron. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like it's 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 not. I'm, is he good enough? Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Like I mean, um, he could go, and as long as he's ready to play a role, mm-hmm. like he's not. Be clear when people say, "Is he good enough?" What does mm-hmm. that mean? So we right. got to think about with him. He's good enough to pl- be a role player. He's mm-hmm. good enough to be a backup point guard. He's good. Mm-hmm. I got to. He's not good enough to go there and be the guy right. who carries a team. It's not going to happen. Nowhere. Mm-hmm. Nowhere. He's not going to carry no team. He's not there. He's just not mm-hmm. there yet. And that's okay. And I think mm-hmm. people got to remember that he's not his daddy. Right. You know, so people want him to be, you know, they want him to be his dad. And maybe mm-hmm. even Eclipse is, oh, Bronny's going to win the scoring title <laughs> in 15 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, I, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, hey, hey you know? <laughs> but, um, you know, I think we have to be okay with him not being that. And people want it. So, but, I mean, I've been to his games and mm-hmm. I, he has a following that is nutty. Yeah. You know, these kids, I'm like, oh, you're kids up there pissed off at the refs because they didn't mm-hmm. call foul. I'm like, oh, okay. So you're traveling with um, Strive for Greatness. I remember this in the summer. No, no, I'm from Atlanta. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. And he knows like the beat, mm-hmm. like the second string guys by name. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's crazy, you know? So yeah, I, I think he'll end up at one of those three schools because they've been the ones that have been linked with him the longest, but um, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see for sure. I, I'm curious too, like, you look at USC, obviously, they're bringing in the number one point guard in the entire country and Isaiah Collier. Obviously, we talked about uh, the Ducks and bringing in Jackson Shellstead and having some some young guards on the roster already. And we yeah. kind of talked about LeBron. I don't want to use the word threatening, but implying that he could probably get Bronny to go to any school that right. he wanted him to. Do yeah. you think that part of the element here is is this kind of aspect of trying to find a spot where Bronny is going to maybe be able to pressure himself or get pressured into a, a bigger role? Like if Oregon were willing to say, Hey, we'll start him right away, even, you know, regardless, like, do you think that that could move the needle because LeBron has been so insistent of like, I want to play with my kid at the next level. And you're saying, and most people are saying, Bronny's not a one and done. That's not really his, his right. he's not that skill set. But if that's what the family is trying to get, like mm-hmm. if USC is not going to start him because they have a better point guard and Collier coming in, like, do you think that that moves the needle at all? Or do you think Bronny's just looking to, I want to go somewhere. I want to play hoops and I want to figure out, you know, I want to do what's best for me. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> no, I don't know. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. I think it's about getting him there and fulfilling that mm-hmm. let's play together thing and sure. whatever that looks like. So it's like, whatever the better situation, I say mm-hmm. he could end up at these three, but if mm-hmm. you see Greensboro just happens to be the best look, right. I think they will go there. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I think it's all about, okay, it's the right blend of mm-hmm. 
getting him the most time, getting him in the right position. But mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to put too much on him because that could backfire. Right. And I've seen that backfire. So, you know, they're they're weighing out all of these things. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why they keep stuff so close to the vest because sure. they don't they can't let too much of that leak. out, And they've done a great job. And, you mm-hmm. know, now that part I'm very impressed with because most mm-hmm. of them leak. But um, yeah, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see because because of the way they've handled it so far. Jason, thank you so much for your insight, your expertise. I uh, love breaking down the McDonald's game, love uh, getting a chance to talk about Ronnie and, and kind of see how this all might shake out. So once again, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, the Orangemen of Syracuse are in the middle of a pedestrian ACC this season. And after Jim Beheim's latest antics, it looks like it's time for the 78-year-old coach to call it a career. Thrilled to be joined today to close out the show by Owen Valentine, the co-host of the Locked On Syracuse podcast, to help break down what has been going on with the Orange this season. Owen, uh, Cuse has now lost three state games. They've lost four out of their last five games. They're 13-10 and 10 on the year, and they're 6-6 six and six in ACC play. But it's not a particularly strong season for the ACC. We talked about that on Wednesday's show. Clemson is in first place. Pitts has a solid record. And yet, despite Duke being down, North Carolina being down, Syracuse hasn't really been able to make any waves. Uh, we're looking at a, a season where they're maybe going to be on the outside looking in for an NCAA tournament appearance. Uh, I kind of want to ask you before we get into anything else, like what do you think has been the biggest on-court issue? We'll talk about Bayheim later. What's the biggest on-court issue for this team this year? Right now, personally, I, I just think it's an experience. This mm-hmm. is an incredibly young team with some experience sort of sprinkled in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a team where you look at, the starting lineup and you've got youth and youth and youth Mm -hmm. and three freshmen in your starting five. And then the first guy off the bench is going to be Justin Taylor who's another freshman. So there is so much youth on this team and I think it is catching up to them. So Mm -hmm. I I'm hopelessly optimistic. I think a lot of people are not where I am in terms Mm -hmm. of this conversation, but I have seen despite the record, not Mm -hmm. being where you want it to be. This is actually a better team than they started the year as, and they're Mm -hmm. playing better basketball than they started. And I don't know what you want to say, but they've Mm -hmm. lost some bad games recently, some blown leads. Uh, So I can only rationalize so much with that. But in terms of the quality of basketball, it's getting better Mm -hmm. with this group. But the inexperience has shined and it has shined in big spots against the, you know, the few quality wins that you Mm -hmm. can gather in the ACC at this point. Well, let me ask you this then, Owen, because the inexperience for this Syracuse team, it's not like it was unpredictable before the season began you could look at the roster going into the year and know hey this is going to be a team you know they lost Cole Swider they lost the Bayheim brothers that's a over 50 points per game last year between those three guys all gone off the roster and in the modern college basketball era you don't have to just say oh well we lost a bunch of talent we're just going to replenish it with a bunch of freshmen there are other ways to fix the roster you can use the transfer portal you can go find experienced talented guys who are are division one ready who many guys who have three four five not quite five but four years of experience are available via the transfer portal we didn't really see a whole lot of of Syracuse kind of attempting to make those moves or succeeding in making any of those moves Uh, again obviously Beheim, a a coach who's been around for an extraordinarily long time well before this was really kind of something you could do in college basketball. Do you think there's a situation where he's maybe not making the adjustment quick enough to start trying to find, you know, new modern ways to adjust college basketball rosters? Or do you think it was more just maybe a miscalculation on on where this team might be at this point in the season? This is a weird one because 
obviously you want to attack the transfer portal. I think it was uh, Jeff Goodman tweeted out early in the year, and I haven't really followed up on the stat, but of the top 100 freshmen in the class, I think like 10 or 15% were scoring in double figures. Mm-hmm. And in the top 100 transfer, I think it was like two thirds of guys are wow. transferring in double figures. So in terms of, you know, immediate readiness and immediate impact, the transfer portal is where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And it was a difficult thing, I think, for Syracuse because of the size of this recruited class. Mm-hmm. It's six freshmen come in. Right. And this is not a team that's like, you know, your Kentuckys, your Dukes, your, your mm-hmm. draft guys where you're losing huge turnaround every year. This was a team that lost a couple of seniors, mm-hmm. but you're bringing in a gigantic class. And so mm-hmm. in doing that, you sort of limited yourself in what you could bring in in the transfer portal. And the big need was an additional big man. And I got Monier Hema. Mm-hmm. But he's not really a guy that is going to go out and score for you. He's going right. to play some role minutes uh, when Jesse Edwards is in foul trouble at the five. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that was quite the level that they were looking for. Yeah. I'll tell you what, this is this offseason right here mm-hmm. is going to be incredibly important in sort of deeming what Syracuse does in the mm-hmm. transfer portal. Because they have had success even before you know, the portal was a huge thing. And I always think mm-hmm. to like Wes Johnson yep. who came in and, and was a huge guy in terms of a transfer when you were still sitting out a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since the new transfer rules have come in, that hasn't really been the case, but Syracuse's 23 class has no recruits in it right now. And so you need to find some transfers to fill gaps of what you would assume would be a Joe Girard and a Jesse Edwards exit. But also, you know, the way the transfer portal works right now, I think you got to assume in a recruiting class with six freshmen, mm-hmm. when you've got four that are really playing, and maybe in that four, you've got some other guys that want a little bit more, uh, you've got to anticipate an exit or two as well. So mm-hmm. I think the portal is going to be incredibly important in deeming if this team can, can make some strides as the group becomes a little bit more experienced. So let me ask you this then. So if if the the portal was maybe not the avenue that this team chose to to explore next last year, next year we're thinking that it's more likely to be the case because of the freshman class, everything that you just said. Do you think Jim Beheim is the like is the right person to be able to recruit players to this program? Again, a, a coach who obviously has years and years and decades of experience, in particular with recruiting freshmen. Like, do you think that he has the ability to help bring high level talent? to Syracuse in this program via the transfer portal? I think he still does, Mm -hmm. but it is fading and it's, it's fading a lot. And especially Mm -hmm. when you look at, you know, Mike Hopkins was the recruiting guy for Syracuse and was bringing in big players. And he, he has done the same despite not having real, a -hmm. ton of success at Washington. He's brought in some good players over there, probably out kicking his coverage in terms Mm -hmm. of a couple of recruits going over there. Bayheim still has the name. He's still recognized. And as mm-hmm. his counterparts continue to retire and retire, he is <laughs> sort of the last of the bunch mm-hmm. in terms of that huge name, Hall of Fame coaching recognition. But it's also been almost a decade since you've had a really, really good team. And you've made some tournament runs, which helps you, but you haven't had that, you know, that top 10 team mm-hmm. or that that real powerhouse squad in almost a decade now. And you've lost the household names. When we talk to recruits, right? They're, they're concerned about Syracuse. They don't know as much about Syracuse as they did, mm-hmm. you know, 10 or 15 years ago. And before that, after the national championship and that sort of era of recruiting, they don't have that face name value anymore. And it's a lot more of a push. Mm-hmm. And we've been told by recruiting experts and things like that, that that is the push against Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And so it's not really hurting them in their pitch 
But when other teams come up and say, oh, you got Syracuse in the mix, mm-hmm. you know, Beheim can't be there much longer. He's not right. going to be there. You don't want to play for an unnamed coach at this point with no secession plan. And, and I think that is really what's holding him back. So I think at this point, it probably is Beheim's got to get out for them mm-hmm. to truly break through in the transfer portal and in recruiting. But they, they're there. I think there are a few breaks away from having broken mm-hmm. out of this already, but it's, it's almost too little too late for this leash to continue to extend, which is unfortunate. Well, let's talk about Bayheim then because he's 78 years old. His kids are no longer in the program. He's yelling at reporters. He, like <laughs> at what point are we saying like, Hey, is this going to be it? Is this the final year? Do you think we're, we're at that point? And then I guess the, the bigger question, should it be? Yeah, this is, it is so conflicting for me mm-hmm. and for, I think, a lot of Syracuse fans to sure. see a guy that that built a program from really nothing and brought it to, you know, national prominence yeah. and won a national championship and has been to a handful of Final Fours and even gets to Final Fours with bad teams and mm-hmm. teams that don't expect to make runs like that. He's absolute legend. However, we're, we're at this point now where it seems like the adjustments aren't there and mm-hmm. aren't where they want to be. And it was advertised that the big adjustment was happening. They're going to play man this year. They're going to play some man to man. And they did for like two games. And then they went back to a hundred percent zone. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I look at this and I want the adjustments to happen. And I think everybody wants it to work out with Bayheim and wants him to break through and wants him to get, you know, another reputable season or two before mm-hmm. it is time. But the more and more I watch him, he seems frustrated right now. He is easily uh, set off by reporters asking questions at this point in time. I don't know. It it might be approaching that time. And I feel like the vibe in central New York is that this does feel like the end after this year. Uh, And and so that's sort of where we stand. I don't know if it will, Mm -hmm. but it seems like every game, every outcome, every post-game press conference the narrative continues to expand that it might be time. And I think more and more people are hopping on the bandwagon and more and more people that have long had his back and had his back through some struggles and through some bad years and through sanctions and violations and uh, lost wins or lost whatever, uh, they're starting to jump on board as well, which is, it's heartbreaking, I want to mm-hmm. say, it's brutal, but that is sort of where you fall and it might be time for a switch to happen in order for Syracuse to try to get back to where it wants to be. Well, you either you know, die a hero or live long enough to be a villain, right? That's the, that's the phrase. Oh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh and thank you so much for, uh, for thank taking the time. Yeah. For jumping on the show. I really appreciate it.